Hello, welcome to episode 104 of Sack King's Therapy, the calm before the storm episode uh, before the NBA draft and probably the ensuing chaos that will happen on that night. Not just for the Kings, but the, for the rest of the NBA because trades, trades, and more trades are kind of getting reported or like being, I guess, implied that it's going to happen. But a lot of these things, we have to wait till the draft night, which it's going to be two very long days before we get to it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, in the meantime, we're going to go uh, through our last two um, it, prospects that, you know, me and I'm assuming Fong really like. So, yeah, we're going to start with Josh Giddy. Well, he's a uh, 6'8 with a 6'8 wingspan and no, not nothing too impressive, but uh, he is 19 years old. Or he's actually 18 right now, but will be 19 when the season starts, uh, assuming his birthday is on uh, October 10th. So I'm assuming that the season does start in October at some point. So chances are he will be 19 when the season starts. Uh, what is his appeal? Well, passing. He is an incredible passer. And Fong, take us through the uh, specifics. All right. So before we start, I got to say that, you know, Josh Giddy did play in the Australian League. So it's nothing like compared to uh, most of the guys we reviewed so far. So I guess that's a, I, I, a small disclaimer, I guess you could say. Yeah, but I uh, to include that. Thank you for putting that in. <laughs> But, uh, you know, his passing, he does get an average of 7.6 assists per game. He is very open and with great position, pace, vision, and anticipation. And, you know, he, he could actually pass with either hand with good pre uh, precision, uh, velocity, and confidence. Now, under the pick and roll, he does love, you know, those pocket passes, wraparound skips, and, you know, those pass fakes. And uh, looking at his, uh, you know, footage, um, yeah, he he's a pretty good passer i gotta say you see like half court passes all the way from him in the half court line just passing to guys from like corners open like for the open free which seems pretty ridiculous uh and especially in the pick and roll oh man he he can get by guys and uh you know get uh those open cutters uh easy buckets too yeah, so basically, to sum it all up, all the passes at the book. Like, he has pocket passes, he has skip passes, over-the-head passes, bullet passes to the roll man, lobs, everything. He, you know, any pass that you can think of, like, he can do. And again, as you mentioned, both hands. He led the NBL in assists and actually won Rookie of the Year because of that. Like, he, basically, he's a tall point guard. And that's that's kind of what he is, and... Yeah, like the Kings could really use another. I mean, like that's not their priority by any means, but like you can't have too many guys that can pass on this team. And I think he would fit pretty well, like right into the Kings' lineup. You know, again, while not a crazy wingspan, six eight. That's pretty. That's a pretty impressive height. Mhm. Mm yeah, with Tyrese, you know, being in the starting lineup, he'd be a perfect six man for, uh, I guess, the playmaker spot. <laughs> But, uh... Yeah, so a lot of people are comparing him. We'll we'll get to like him comparing him to Lamelo Ball because they both played in the Australian League. But uh, there's another player that he actually resembles a lot more of that will will you know hold it off until the end of the Josh Giddy section. Mm -hmm. 
Now, from you know the stats and whatnot that we got from Hoop Inox, uh, he comments that he's pretty excited to see how he does with uh, when it comes to wobbing. And you know, for us, uh, don't know about that because we don't have many big guys that go for the wob as often. I, I mean, how we... way? What are you talking about? We have Damian Jones who wants to end people's life every opportunity oh, he gets. I... And if Rashawn is the one that if Rashawn ends up staying, like Rashawn's a pretty good lob threat too. Mm-hmm. Man, I, we, I we got guys. We got guys. I forgot we had Damian Jones for some reason. I die. Oh man, I keep on thinking because in my mind I keep on thinking we still have Whiteside. And yeah, Whiteside you know, could could you know get up for lobs too. Like he yeah. just just doesn't really jump up for them, but he can't get up there. Yeah, he'll just catch them. That's all. <laughs> If yeah, can. like Metsu, Metsu's not bad either. Metsu's like tiny, but like he gets up for these. Yeah, not, not that you mentioned it. Jeez, I, I totally forgot about these uh, different wob threads. Uh, do I need to remind you? You do a you do a podcast on the Sacramento Kings. I know. For for some reason, I always focus just on the starting lineup and you know maybe a few bench players that get mixed into the lineup. And also, you know, also let's not forget if he does end up staying, Marvin is an incredible lob threat. I know that's there's there's another guy. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Marvin later if uh, we have the chance because we're I'm personally not sure if he's gonna be staying. But uh, moving on to Josh Giddy, like you said, he does make overhead passes, especially on the corner skips. Uh, He is a great post entry passer as well, and you know. Like like I said, he gets to those easy looks, and it's a he, weirdly lost art, the post entry pass. I know, it really is. Uh, and he also excels in transition, which, you know, as a Sacramento King, we well those transition plays. He keeps his eyes up, and you know, gets those great long outlet passes. Like I said, he passes like with ease from the half court all the way to the corner for open freeze for. Uh, God, how he does it, and yeah, like I said, sees across the floor when it happens. Yeah, again, he's almost like one or two passes ahead usually, and like always tries to kind of push the pace in transition. And you know, he's he's basically the guy that's all like if he grabs a rebound, like he is taking off right away. And you know, guys like Fox can get right down the court. Like Tyrese isn't exactly slow either. Like. You know, it'll be a really fun style of play for sure. You know, if we do end up drafting with the number ninth pick. Mm-hmm. So other than his passing, his pick and roll is pretty good too. Uh, he's pretty patient. You know, manipulates the screens. He uses his hips to swivel and you know set the screens up and you know to gain that advantage. And they call it, I guess, he's a pick and roll essential for uh, a lot of teams. He loves the spin move and like he has like a myriad of weird finishing moves where like he kind like it looks like a travel but isn't because it's jump stop rules are really weird. But like he has very tricky footwork and is a very good finisher like uh, 64.1% in the half court uses both hands very well. And because and also um, as mentioned by Sam Vecini and his incredible draft guide, he actually added 20 pounds of muscle already. Like because he started playing the pros in Australia, and he absorbs contact like surprisingly well, even though he is still relatively skinny. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, by the works of it, he does. But, you know, things can change when uh, he comes to the NBA. So uh, moving on, uh, he's not really that much of an individual shot creator, especially for himself. Uh, he, re- But he does rely on the push uh, crossovers and, you know, a change of pace. And uh, we'll get over about his shot in the weaknesses. But other than that, he does have a soft touch at the basket, which kind of makes up for his explosiveness because uh, as a player for himself, uh, he's not too explosive when it comes to uh, – scoring in the paint uh he does finish well with either hand though and you know he does reverse and uh can uh score on the off foot yeah so again he is a very creative finisher with again creative footwork um maybe a word i don't think the rules are different in the league so it'll probably work in the nba and uh yeah um you know uh like the other thing i like to mention a pretty good team defender has pretty good awareness and knows and knows the angles and when to help. That, that's one thing I've always noticed with good passers. Good passers are usually good defenders because they know the passes that like teams are trying to make and you can usually see them coming. So he has that going for him. But we'll talk about it in the weaknesses section. Like you know, not a great individual defender, but does, but is a very good team defender with good size. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's go over his weaknesses. Let's start over his three-point shot. Now, he shot 29.3% on three-and-a-half attempts from free, um, and I think it's mostly due to his you know, footwork and his form's kind of, I would say, wonky. Uh, he does kick his right foot in front every time he shoots, so it's not a big deal uh, in most cases, but the over overall flow of his shot is just not fluid i guess you could say compared to like high uh high caliber shooters so i think it was even mentioned by who like in his video he doesn't dip the ball at all like it just seems like he was basically taught by an idiot of how to shoot uh, yeah, doesn't dip the ball. The transfer energy just isn't consistent. And like, yeah, like it's a lot of upper body and the calibration just isn't there in terms of like, you know, timing and sinking like his legs and arms. Although his three point percentage is a bit misleading in that a lot of his shots were pull ups. Like he rarely actually got uh, catch and shoot shots. So, you know, that can that will probably go up. Although looking at his um, free throw percentage is not the most encouraging thing because I think he's shot like 69% from the free throw line. Not the greatest sign, but uh, I did read Sam Vicini's uh, draft guide. He does believe that Josh Giddy will become a good shooter because he has great touch, as you mentioned, you know, around the rim. So anybody with good touch, you know, usually turns into a good shooter at some point. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think it'll be a work in progress, especially in the NBA. I'd say give it give or take two or three years, he'll become a, a decent shooter. Um, another weakness that he has, his handle just isn't great. Like it's serviceable for the most part. Like, but the issue is like when he gets pressured, he tends to struggle a little bit because again, his handle just isn't that good. He doesn't have a very creative package. Doesn't really know how to manipulate defenders just yet in one-on-one situations. Is good in, in like pick and roll situations, but you know, one-on-one it's his handle just isn't there yet. The, the, the skill it like needs work and 
yeah, he'll, he's just going to need to work on it. And I think he will get there. But as mm-hmm. it stands right now, cannot create by himself. He does like to take, like, you know, these uh, pick-and-roll mid-range shots. And uh, one thing I just put a note in is that the, the release is really slow. And, you know, that has to do with his wonky mechanics. But, like, yeah, it's it's another one of those things that's going to need a lot of work, his mid-range game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other than that, uh, he's pretty straight-legged. Yeah, I guess you could say when it comes to defending, uh, and you know he also does lack a lateral foot speed, like <laughs> a lot of pointers that we've uh, uh, reviewed. Uh, but you know, as long as he improves his navigating around screens and you know focus on those closing gaps and stay attached to the uh, guy he's defending, you know, I think he should be fine. Um, Hoopin was mentioned he was skinny and yeah like we said he did what skinny but you did mention he gained some uh, muscle so we'll have to see uh, how much he could gain more of because as of right now i think he's 200 mm, i forgot his weight at yeah, the I moment did, i didn't i didn't write it down let me see he is listed at 205 pounds Ooh, maybe another 20 pounds Plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna need that uh, as a as like a six eight wing. Yeah, he's gonna need to add a lot more. But I don't I don't think it's gonna be that big of an issue for the most part until it gets to like deep in the playoffs where teams will actually hunt him. But mm-hmm. like you know, I think with the right coaching of which you know that scares me if he was to, with the Kings because nobody played defense on this team. So mm-hmm. like the the idea I think. He's somebody just needs to teach him like a proper defensive stance, you know, ass down, like back, you know, back straight and just, you know, get into a defensive, uh, an explosive defensive stance. But like, I imagine when he learns like how to play the, how to like, you know, properly, like, you know, get into a stance and play, you know, slide laterally, I think he'll be fine. He has the Mm -hmm. tools for it, but like, yeah, some of the clips and, like that I saw with Hoop Intellect and others, like it's not pretty. Like the way he gets abused by Australian guards, and yeah, you know, in the NBA, it's only gonna get harder because these are some of the best guards in in the world, and they will hunt him, but not, you know, at a alarming rate until we get to the playoffs. But mm-hmm. let's get to the playoffs first. Yeah. So my final weakness, and this is more of like a personal gripe from what I've seen from clips. Uh, when he defends someone from, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, from the three-point line or a driver, it feels like he gives up easily when he knows the driver passes him up and, you know, expects his teammates to, you know, uh, be that help defender or, you know, protect the rim for him. But, you know, I hope that's not a thing coming uh, to the NBA because, mm, now, I mean, our defense itself is already pretty uh, not so great when it comes to uh, help defending. Yeah, I know the clips you're talking about, and yeah, he would fit right in with the Kings. Um, <laughs> like, there were so many moments where in a Hoop and Lex video, I'm like, where are you? Yeah. Like, why are you way under the screen? Why are you, like, purposely, like, taking the sh- the worst route? Like, y- you can be better than this, but part of it is kind of he was, like, you know, the star of the team. And, like, LaMelo Ball had very similar issues. Um, and, you know, he's fine on the defensive end. Actually, no, he's pretty bad on defensive end um, this year. But, 
Like, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I, I think, like, once he, once he gets, like, more used to playing in the NBA game and, like, learns more angles, like, I think he'll be fine. But as it stands, yeah, he will more or less be hunted at the next mm-hmm. level. Yep. Other than that, do you have any other pros or cons that you have with Josh Giddy? Not really a pro or a con. But uh, and Sam Vecini, again, his draft guide is absolutely amazing. If you guys want to subscribe to The Athletic, now is probably the time to do it because he created a, I think, like 200 pages just worth of uh, information on all the draft prospects, like even way into the second round or guys that might not even get drafted. But on the Josh Giddy profile, like it was mentioned that his mom and his dad were both professional players in Australia. And I believe his sister also trained him um, in basketball. So he has a lot of basketball training. And yeah, that's a that's one thing I thought was really interesting. Uh, James Ham on, I think, his, what will be probably his final draft um mock draft did list giddy as kind of the guy that he wants the kings to take a gamble on so i i think it's interesting just with the upside and like you, you can't teach like the feel that giddy has and like the the path you know just like the ability to map the floor see the weaknesses see the angles for the passes it's so hard to teach that stuff and yeah, I, I get what uh, James Ham is actually saying about, you know, wanting to take a gamble on him. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but, like, if guys like Moses Moody and Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner are off off the board, like, Giddy probably is my next pick. So, yeah. Um, and the last thing is that Vecina does believe he'll be a good shooter, believes in the touch he has, and he'll probably figure it out at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully somehow if he does get drafted to the Kings, we'll fix his form because it, to me, it doesn't look too pretty. Look, Rico Hines is like one of the most like talked about and most praised uh, trainers that I've seen online. So like, hopefully he can work with them. And you know, Rico Hines is on the staff, so you know, like you know, talk to him and you know. Yeah, just get and like form isn't always like, you know, the make or break thing. But like Tyrese's form is I will never like his form. But like (laughs) he did shoot 40 percent in he did shoot 40 percent in college. Like it was consistent. We'll see. It does need a little reworking, like mostly with his footwork and just his timing and sinking of the arms and legs. Mm -hmm. Like that's the key to uh, shooting. And uh, finally, the comparisons. Uh, Hoop and Alec basically compared them to a tall Ricky Rubio, which <laughs> yeah. I think is a pretty, a- I think it's pretty accurate. Like he, he basically is kind of like what Ricky Rubio is. Like Ricky Rubio, like people forget, he is a very good passer. It's just that he doesn't draw defenses because he's not a threat to score. But like he is an amazing passer. So like I think that's a pretty good comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, another comparison that I'm seeing a lot of is Lamelo Ball. Because, okay. you know, like passing, the uh, passing ability and, you know, the fact that they both played in Australia. But Vecini brought up a much more accurate, um, accurate comparison to at least like the way I saw it. He's actually very similar to Lonzo Ball. Because he's not really good enough to be in, you know, a, a live off the dribble creator, but is an incredible ball mover and adds a lot of off off ball value. As you know, as kind of a secondary creator and like that secondary ball mover, and yeah, I think that's actually much more accurate to think of him more as Lonzo Ball than 
Mello, who you know is a has an incredible handle. Mm. And, you know, Lonzo has a much like it's a much more stiff handle. And, like again, he can't create one on one. It's just not his game. And yeah, it's more apt to actually um, compare him to Lonzo Ball, which I like. I love Lonzo. Mm. Oh yeah. I was wondering, you know, is it possible to get Lonzo in the... Uh... It's going to be expensive. I'm, I don't think so. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, a, a, if we can somehow add Lonzo, that'd be great. And I've been calling for it for a while, but, you know, it's... I think it's just going to be tough to get him, because, like, he's looking for 20 million. Apparently, everyone's looking for 20 million. Even Gary Trent Jr. is looking for 20 million. Oh, are you kidding? Like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sure, we'll see what the market decides. It seems like everybody's getting 20 million, and there isn't that much cap space out there, so we'll see. But yeah, that's it for our Josh Giddy, um, Josh Giddy part. Let's move on to the next guy. Okay, now on to Usman Garuba. Now the first thing about Usman Garuba, he's six eight with a seven three wingspan, although. Kupinolek does, I think, say that he might be taller, possibly, because he plays a uh, he plays like with very tall people, where like you know a good seven feet, seven three. So he looks kind of small compared, but he ultimately might be a bit taller than six eight. But again, very in- impressive six three wingspan. Uh, he will be 19 years old, or he is 19 years old, I think already. And uh, the thing with him is that, you know. Defense is what he's all about. So take us through it, Paul. All right. So pretty much a general summary of him. I mean, his greatest pot- defensive potential is in the four and five spot. He's great in the pick and roll. He has a very high motor. And by the clips, he really does try it when it comes to defense. And he flips his hips well. So let's start out with his pick and rolls. Uh, he does switch well with his pick and rolls. His foot speed uh, is pretty pretty good for a guy his size, uh, you know, to stay up with most people in front of him. And he has a very high IQ when uh, he uh, recovers. Yeah, so basically the main thing about him is that he's 19 years old and he is – and Sam Fasini has said he is the best 19-year-old defender he's ever seen. The, the ways that he can, like, cover the pick and roll, we call it, like, the cat and mouse game where basically you drop, like, in drop coverage where, like, you basically bait the ball handler into doing something. And he is incredible at baiting the ball handler to do to make the wrong decision. And just to be able to do that kind of stuff at, you know, such a young age, like he like there's no there's no telling if he could get even better and like every every part of defense he's good at. he's good in the post he's good on the perimeter he's good in pick and roll and just yeah great in uh yeah defending again on the perimeter in space like which is the biggest most important thing in the playoffs nowadays to, as a big man to be able to defend out of the perimeter and yeah just limitless potential and he's already amazing on defense at just 19 years old. Oh, yeah. So he also has, you know, that great length and speed as well, you know, especially when he recovers with blocks. And, man, those, most of the clips that they show, especially with his uh, hands, he does, you know, poke the ball out a lot of times. 
and like you said, he does stay up with uh, a lot of uh, offensive guys. Yeah, and, you know, he's also good as a help defender, although, you know, he could be a little better. But, like, again, he's 19 years old, and he's already good at every facet of defense. You know, mm-hmm. also uh, on offense, you know, he's very limited, but, you know, a good feel in terms of, you know, when to when to cut and when to basically roll roll and make short roll passes. Um, but, you know, overall very raw in that. He's not going to, like, you know, break you down with crossovers and, like, in and outs and stuff like that. But he does his job, and the the sky's the limit for him because, like, a lot of his skill set, it's very raw on offense. I mean, like, very raw on offense, but, like, the defense, as long as he's just simply passable on offense, this is a this is a well, probably, you know, a guy that could be in your closing lineup on a contender, Sam Bassini said. Uh, the only real weakness he has on defense is that sometimes his closeouts are a bit sloppy, but everything else is, like, again, just exceptional on defense. Mm-hmm. I guess you could also say uh, a slight con is that his offense is, uh, eh, there's not much depth to it, I guess you could say. But, I mean, of course, he ha- he can dunk. He's a role man, and, you know, he could space the floor and, uh, you know, not yet. He, we, you know, we believe he can, but no, as of now, not really a spacer. Mm-hmm. Not just yet, but I'm pretty sure he. Uh, once he learns, he learns, and uh, it will stick with him. But uh, overall, yeah, he's a he's a pretty explosive guy when it comes to finishing and uh, his timing and spacing when it comes into the dunker spot. He he uh, knows kind of when to you know score i guess he's he's that <laughs> yeah that explosive guy <laughs> and like you know he also keep he really keeps like the the fact when he scores is just keeping the defense honest his main skill on offense right now is the ability to read the floor actually pretty well like mm-hmm. he's not like you know an incredible he's not Jokic or like draymond by any means but like he has from the clips that we saw like he has like a feel for like the you know finding the open man from three or you know hitting the cutter after <clears throat> like taking one dribble on the short row makes good decisions and yeah like he he's not again he's not a great finisher by any means but like he he scores just enough at least like in the Euroleague to keep defenses honest and yeah a great just a great feel like the raw tools are there for for him to be, you know, a possibly, a, you know, at some day a Draymond Greenish kind of player on offense in terms of passing, the shooting, yeah, he's he's well on his way to being Draymond Green. <laughs> but like, you know, like he he has that feel of finding the open man, finding the, you know, the guy the the guy in the dunker spot if it's not him. Like, it, there, there's a lot to like there as a role player. But if you're expecting him to be like that superstar guy, like you know, break guys down, break down guys off the dribble like again crossover moves he's not that guy yet mm-hmm. yeah when it comes to also <laughs> this is the first stat that i uh what you recall was surprised to see throughout you know all these guys and that's his rebound <laughs> and uh like i said he has a high motor and uses his body well especially on the glass and uh according to the stat he has a 17.2 percent total rebound percentage or it's a, it's TRB, but they call yeah, it yeah, yeah. T- total rebound by team or whatnot. And uh, 
even though did we mention he was in a Euro League? <laughs> oh, I, th- I think I said it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have said it before, but uh, I guess you could compare it to uh, someone like Ban Adebayo, who has a 16.2% total rebound by team. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little higher, but, you know, uh, we don't know how, uh, you know, the Euro League uh, compares to the NBA, of course, but. You know, we'll have to see about that. But, you know, I mean, those type of percentages, he's <laughs> he's a dog when it comes to rebounding. So we'll have to see. Yeah, he seems the like I wrote in my notes, he has a nose for the ball. And as you like a lot of the clips, he kind of just sneaks behind people for offensive rebounds. Like his teammates are boxing out and like he just slips through the cracks and grabs the rebound. Like he again, he seems to be a guy that has a good instinct for how to play basketball. And it, it translates to, you know, rebounds where he just seems to be in the right place for some reason a lot. Of course, they are highlight clips. I haven't actually gone through did, you know, like I, I guess I didn't go for the extra credit and actually watch Euro League games. But like he seems to have a nose for the ball and just can kind of like follow, you know, predict where the ball goes and just happen to be at the right spot. Um you know, in term the another, I guess we'll just jump into some of his weaknesses now. Um, anything else you want to say about his strengths? Mm, not that I could think of that he already mentioned. Well, um, I guess one thing about his strength, he does shoot 68% uh, from the restricted area, or like I think I forgot what the measurements, but we're basically at the rim, he shoots 68.3% of the half court, which is pretty good. But he does sometimes get a little overexcited and gets kind of tunnel vision down there and like shoots these like four shots and, you know, these bunnies that he misses. Like it, it's basically like he just rushes a little bit too much, but that's one of his only real issues. The main issue, however, is the shooting. He's he's it's just not pretty. Like I mentioned, how I think uh, Josh Giddy's jump shot just isn't synced properly. Well, Garuba's is definitely not synced properly. Mm-hmm. Like his his legs, his leg bend, the arm raise, the release, all are just like t- three separate parts of his jump shot. And it's just he needs he needs to work on it. And I don't know how long it's going to take for him to be, you know, a serviceable shooter. He's definitely not going to be like, you know, a guy who's going to run off screens and, you know, pop out for mid ranges like a KD. But uh, Vecini does say like within a few years, he's probably going to be a serviceable corner shooter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, he, his shooting's not so great. Uh, I remember like clips of him where, there would be catch and shoot opportunities, but it ended up being like just a spot up shooting <laughs> at the, I guess, minimum because he, uh, before he shoots, he has to reset himself just to shoot the ball. And, you know, it takes time. Uh, and, uh, you know, just waste of uh, time and effort to uh, shoot the three. But yeah, we'll have to see, uh, you know, onto his next weakness. He has a 65.9% free throw uh, percentage, which I'm, he only takes one free throw uh, a game, I believe, which didn't make sense. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't actually play that many minutes as part mm. of it. And I guess he just like 
he's not a crazy he's not a crazy explosive athlete where he's gonna dunk over people he's actually pretty earthbound which kind of concerns you concerns me a little bit if he's actually gonna play the five he's probably gonna be a four more than he's gonna be a five in most lineups and yeah he's just not explosive guy and you know doesn't draw that many fouls he he's just not athletic enough to be that guy and yeah i wouldn't expect him to be that in, in the on the next level but like yeah, he's just, he just doesn't get that many minutes, and he doesn't draw that many fouls. Mm-hmm. So um, the next thing I want to say is that he also doesn't have a great handle. I mentioned he's just not gonna break you down. He, he has shown flashes of like you know attacking a closeout, like you know taking one or two dribbles and getting to the rim, or where he can either pass or try and finish. But like in terms of like changing directions, change of pace, he has none of that right now. And it's unclear if that's going to be a thing. He is a good grab and go guy in transition where, you know, he can kind of make the quick pass or like, you know, hustle down the floor for like a layup or a dunk. But in terms of like in a half court setting, the tools just aren't there yet. And the handle needs work. And I don't know if it's going to become a thing. Hmm. I feel like, I mean, I say this a lot, but I, once, once they get in the NBA, I feel like there'll be, there's going to be a change of scenery and they'll start to learn and develop better, I guess. Uh, I mean, these guys are still young, so we'll have to see in the future. And I'm yeah, pretty 19 sure, years old. So, yeah, I mean, with his defense already, I, I think we're fine with uh, adding, uh, uh, if you know the Kings draft him, adding him into the roster, regardless of his handles. Yeah, I mean you're not drafting him for his offense. Like that's the bottom line. His his mm-hmm. calling card is the defense. By the way, his name is Destiny Usman Garuba Alari. That yeah, that's interesting. A, that's a long name. <laughs> yeah, and th- again, he is really young, and like the raw offensive tools are there. And I think it's actually fixable, most of his things. But again, the handle stuff, I don't know. But like shooting, I think he can be, again, Vecini believes in him, so I'm going to believe in him. I think he'll be serviceable at the next level in a few years. Like, mm-hmm. don't expect him to contribute much on offense to start, but on defense, he's already like elite, I think. He'll, I think he'll come into the NBA day one ready to contribute on that end. Mm-hmm. So I guess... Uh... A couple of other weaknesses that I thought were weaknesses. Uh, he does have a habit of overhelping or lunging to, you know, try and make that play, which leads to, you know, a lot of ball fakes uh, from the offensive guys and uh, just driving to the rim. And uh, also, he does have a lack of awareness. It's not like for every play he does, but he does have a lack of awareness when it comes to finishing under the basket which uh, he could have, you know, had some uh, avoidable blocks or, you know, even had an opportunity to draw fouls. Even though his foul shooting percentage is, uh, or free throw shooting percentage is not the greatest. I mean, why not just, (laughs) I mean, it's better to just draw the foul rather than, uh, you know, force a play. Yeah, and, uh, you know, th- that will just come with experience, I think. Like, first first address your defensive thing. It's better for it's better for me to see a guy as ambitious about getting steals and just, like, trying as opposed to a guy that just kind of hangs out on the weak side, you know, not doing anything. Um, and yeah. Yeah, the offensive stuff, I think, he'll, I think he'll start to learn to use his body a little bit better 
and you know hopefully like he just uh, like the coaches tell him like you don't have to force it up like you know when you don't have something you know you can pass it back out and let your teammates create something better for you mm-hmm. yeah other than that, you know, me and you were talking about, uh, you know, his poking away before the podcast, and uh, uh, I thought it could be, uh, you know, called as a foul more in the NBA, but, you know, not sure. <laughs> well, now that I had time to think about it, like, his rookie year is going to be pretty brutal because, yeah, he's going to get those – he's going to get calls on him for those pokeaways because – like, you know, he's a rookie. He, you know, he, him lunging at a veteran's dribble is probably going to get a foul call on him more often than not. But, like, if he's coming off the bench and you just have, like, him as, you know, your energizer bunny on defense, like, I think that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. you bring in him in for, you know, just extra energy and a, a extra, like, defensive, uh, defensive intensity, like, to just pressure guys. Like, that could be fun. But like as a as a ninth pick, it might be a little tricky to sell that. But like it, it's an interesting thought to have. Oh yeah. Um, some extra stuff that uh got from Sam Vecini's draft guy, which again I recommend you subscribe to the Athletic. They're having half off right now. They are not sponsoring this podcast, by the way. I'm doing this on my own free will. Uh, yeah, so on the draft guide, apparently he had been playing in a lot of youth league tournaments in in Real Madrid, and they, yeah, he's basically been on the radar for a lot of scouts, like, growing up, and, uh, he, and that basically led to him joining the Real Madrid national team at 17, the youngest starter ever for Real Madrid, surpassing that of Luka Doncic, apparently, so that's something that I thought was really interesting. Um, as I mentioned, he doesn't play that many minutes because Euroleague just doesn't play young guys that many minutes, unless your name is Luka Doncic. But like, he's not—he doesn't fill the stat sheet, but he really did have an inc- like a substantial impact for for Real Madrid as just like a young guy like that doesn't play that many minutes. So his defensive like acumen, it doesn't show up on the on the stat sheet as well, but he is a legitimate like force on defense. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see when he once he gets drafted into the NBA, I guess. Yeah, I think I think whatever team's gonna draft him is going to have is going to love him. And again, the the sky's the limit for him, and we'll see what he develops into. But like, I mean, he would be a great trade back candidate. I'm again, I'm not I'm a bit queasy about drafting him at nine. Like the Kings need some mm. defensive help, so you know it's not the craziest thing to think about drafting Usman. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sam Vizzini actually has him ranked pretty high on his big board. He's he's in the same tier as Moses Moody and Franz Wagner. He, ha- he actually has him ranked above Franz, Franz Wagner. So, oh, really? That. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, now that you mentioned if we draft, they draft him at nine, uh, maybe a potential trade down. You know, then again, I don't know if other teams are interested in him. Uh, they probably are. I mean, look at him. He, he's he's definitely gonna be a helper for any team that drafts him. But uh, man, yeah, it's it, it'd be tough. I'd say if you know all the players that um, the Kings uh, wanted uh, besides Usman, I uh, guess drafted before nine. Then I, yeah, I get. I wouldn't mind. I guess. 
Um, for the last thing we'll talk about Usman is that he his comparisons. Uh, he's actually surprisingly, who Bitelek compared him to Paul Millsap. Now, Paul Millsap's very. I just I don't you know I don't remember him from his earlier days. I wasn't watching the NBA at that point, but he he's actually more of an offensive guy in my mind. Although he's very good defensively, but like I always remember Paul Millsap being an offensive guy. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's I actually don't remember the last time he's ever been like that defensive anchor for a team. Well, <laughs> you know, Denver, Denver signed him. Oh, he was good on the Hawks, but yeah, like, you know, it, Denver signed him for his defense. And nowadays, he, that's kind of what he is, because offensively, he's very hit or miss nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, shades of Bam out of bio, uh, according to Hoopin' Alec. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I say this very in a very kind of complimentary way, but let's not get our hopes up. He's very Draymond Greenish. I could see that. Besides, I guess, the po- uh, passing and playmaking, in a way, I guess. Yeah, he's nowhere near the dribbler and ball handler that Draymond Green is. And yeah, the defensive stuff, like, Draymond Green is probably the best defender of this generation outside of, like, the KGs of the world. Like, KG is probably the only guy that I think is actually better than Draymond. So, like, you know, to compare, to, that's high praise, um, to say the least. I don't think he's there yet, but he has the potential to be there. Again, 19 years old and already being this damn good on defense. Like, oh, yeah. If he can somehow get better, that's crazy. Ooh. That's a that's a all that's a all NBA defensive team guy. So yeah. Yeah, probably within the next two years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say give it a three at least because like that that's how long it takes for you know a lot of these NBA players to mature into their role and mm. all that's all that fun stuff. Um, okay, well. Now that we're, you know, going, we've gone through, you know, all of these guys, Usman Garuba, Josh Giddy, Moses Moody, uh, Zaire Williams, uh, Corey Kispert, and Franz Wagner. Uh, give me your top three of guys, and let, let, let's all assume they're going to be there at nine. Okay, I was about to say, I was like, man, I can't rank all, like, eight guys like that. <laughs> but uh, for me, I would say one, number one, Moses Moody. Two, I would say, hmm, I say Franz Wagner, I'd say, okay. for number two. And three would be, it's going to be a tie, I think, between Book Knight and, uh, and, uh, Usman. <laughs> Usman, okay. I mean, I, I like the thinking. And Moses Moody, like everything about him, just there's no there. It's not good. It's a safe. It's amazingly enough, like the best upside pick, probably. And also like the the safest pick, like mm-hmm. very low risk It's a very low risk pick with possible, possibly really high reward. And yeah, and Franz Wagner, you need defense, you need playmaking. And, you know, that he fills in those holes and the offensive game probably will come. And James Booknight, it get, goes and gets buckets, and Usman it fixes a lot of defensive issues. But the offensive, you know, you, there's question marks there, but you can find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one out of the out of, out of all the guys that we've done, I'm going James Booknight. Get me buckets all day. I want <laughs> I want a guy that can go get buckets. And like, and then you find a way to figure out the defense later. 
Like, I know there's, like, concerns that, like, the Kings are a god-awful defense. Or one of the, basically the worst of all time last year. And they need something on that end. But I think, like, if you can get another creator on this team, and, like, James Bogdan is a creator. He get, he gets to the rim. He puts pressure on the rim. He can he can create off the dribble. Like, they, I think I think the Kings just need an, another kind of offensive creator. And, like, you can teach, like, the other parts, I feel, a little bit easier than, you know, teaching a guy to... It's. I think it's pretty tough to teach a guy how to, you know, go get buckets the way that James Booknight can. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have him number one. Moses Moody number two easily, just because, you know, the the, the length, the defensive acumen, the smooth stroke. Like there, it, there's very little downside to Moses Moody. And yeah, like it's a safe pick with a with a substantially high reward. Although I think if Booknight hits, that's a really high reward pick. With a mm-hmm. decent, you know, with a decent floor. It's not like, I don't think he's going to be out of the league, like, in two years, um, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Franz Wagner, probably be my number three. And it's either him or, uh, I, I wouldn't even say Us- Usman, I don't even think he's even my fourth. Just because uh, the, the, def- the offensive stuff does concern me a little bit, but... I, yeah, I think I'll go with Franz Wagner. The Kings need defense. They could use another playmaker. And, like, especially at that four spot. Like, just so that, you know, Harrison Barnes doesn't doesn't end up having to guard fours. Although, I don't think Franz can guard fours, like, when he comes into the league. But, like, it's another kind of wing guy that you can, you know, s- like, put on someone to kind of alleviate some of that pressure off of Harrison. And, uh, yeah, I think he would just fit so well with the Kings. Mm-hmm. Well. That's a bunch of what ifs, and we'll have to see on Thursday. Yeah, it's already two days from now. We're going to see <laughs> who the Kings will draft. And Lord knows, I don't know if we're keeping this pick because we'll we'll get into it in a bit. But like, also, the, just a little few interesting things. There are a lot of guys that are dropping. <laughs> like, uh, Jonathan Kaminga is the guy that I keep seeing drop down. Uh, at least from what I what I hear, like he went from being a top three, top four pick to possibly being available at nine, which is crazy. Like there, there might be some there's some kind of doubt, not that much reported, but like there are scouts that are doubting like uh, Scotty Barnes's abilities on offense and he could possibly slip to uh, slip to nine. If Scotty Barnes slips to nine, I'm taking him. Ooh. That's my that's going to be my guy. Because you talk about Usman Garuba, he's kind of he's kind of like an Usman Garuba, like mm. set, like six eight seven three wingspan, crazy amounts of energy and defensively focused. The mm. issue is the offense. The offense is the, that of Usman's level, <laughs> like literally. Um, yeah, is is well, we'll see. I don't think he drops it for some reason. He's been he's just been rising because a lot of people have just seen his personality and his leadership, and they're just like, "That's our guy" type thing. So, yeah, I don't think he'll end up dropping the nine. But if but if Scotty Barnes drops nine, pick take him immediately. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, what he's projected to be? What top five, top six? He's yeah. He, I think he's gonna be. I think he go. I think he goes to six. Go six to OKC probably. Mm. Like is what I'm hearing the most. But we'll see. Like there are a lot of these smoke screens during this time of year. So honestly, we'll never know. Like this could be just out there to fuck with the public. Yeah, maybe we'll. I mean, then again, maybe we'll get another uh, 
jump in the dirt, I guess you could say, like uh, Tyrese Halburn. But yeah, diamond in the rough, you mean? Diamond man, I, I'm pretty sure I used that slang for some odd reason the wrong way again. That's uh, fine. Every now and then we get our we just blank out and can't think. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, this as you mentioned, the draft will be on Thursday, and basically a lot of reports are coming out right now that the Kings love Franz Wagner. And as I mentioned, I think last episode, Wagner did get a promise reportedly uh, that a lottery team will take him. And a lot of people are speculating that's the Kings. And, you know, he's he's had a workout with Harrison Barnes, and I think he's been working out for the Warriors as well. But, like, there seems to be a lot of smoke with him and the Kings. Uh, Is that right? How so? Just, like, basically, it seems like there's, you know, he's an analytics darling, first of all. And... You know, the analytics, re- like, are really... He's one of, like, the best, like, analytics guys in the draft. And it just seems like he's been just talked about so much by the Sacramento media that there's got to be something there. And there's not, not not much is reported, but it's a lot of speculation that him... That he is probably going to end up with the Kings. Huh. I mean... I, I personally don't mind it, but... I mean, if, like... If there's better choices out there. I mean, you wanted Book Knight, I wanted Booty, and if those two choices are there for the taking at nine, I mean, shouldn't we take either of those instead for Wagner? I mean, uh, per- personally, I would, but like Kings might see it. Well, I mean, Monty McNair might see it a different way. Like for mm. all we know, and yeah. yeah, and yeah, you bring up a good point. Like you know, the chances are like Mo- Moody and Moody and uh. And Book Knight just simply won't be there. Like, there's a lot of talk about Book Knight to the to the uh, to the Warriors, and it, apparently also um, Warriors love Moses Moody. Oh yeah, I've heard of that too. Sadly, there's also a really funny story I heard about um, regarding you know Jalen Johnson. So um, apparently the Warriors liked Moses Moody so much that they actually did a film session with him where like basically they had they just had him. They basically watched film with him and have him break down stuff. Like, that's how much they like him because they don't do that very often. And then, so Jalen Johnson was at that workout with Moses Moody. I think they were at the same workout. And the the Warriors reporter asked Jalen Johnson, hey, uh, I heard that Moses Moody did a, a film session breakdown with uh, with the Warriors staff. Were you involved in that at all? And, was like, and he just says, no. Oh, ooh, okay. And it's just like... The more I hear about Jalen Johnson, the less I ever want anything to do with him. And that is probably the pick that would legitimately annoy me, or if not piss me off, is if the Kings pick Jalen Johnson. Ah, gee. And there, there, there is a little bit of talk there. And uh, although, again, nothing reported, just speculation, that, you know, it's Wagner and possibly Jalen Johnson at night. Like, uh, that scares me if Jalen Johnson is, is going to be with the Kings. Mm, really, between those two? I mean, is, isn't there, like, a more expansive list of uh, players that we could get? It? Oh, I, uh, I imagine. We had a lot of guys work out. Like, there's also, like, a, a talk about Alfred Singoon, who, who we did not go over just because, 
I just think the defensive issues without with Sengun is is a worry, and his offensive game does not allure me as much as it is other people. So, but like, there's talk about Alfred Sengun, Turkish League MVP, and like, there 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 are guys, and you know, Lord knows we might be end up trading back for all we know. Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. We were gonna talk about that. Well, so. let's get into it now. Um, so I. I imagine this is probably related, possibly, but uh, Woj did a did a basically a draft show, basically kind of uh, predicting the events or kind of not really saying that much, but basically speculating on stuff. Woj probably knows already. Honestly, he just can't (laughs) say it yet. But like he basically said on the show that Marvin is likely like going to be traded to another team on a trade is on the horizon i think was his exact quote and that is interesting um like we we've kind of you know poked fun at marvin if not like straight up just trashed him saying that he has no trade value and so like he should just learn to stay put and just do his job but it seems like there he does have some value or we might just be salary dumping him Mm, yeah, it's a yeah, that's a toss up right there. Yeah, it could go either way. Uh, I'm just wondering what team though, because Walsh didn't say anything about what specific team, huh? He probably can't again. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I imagine he knows already, and maybe a deal is already done. But the the trade is to open up cap space to resign Rashawn. Like that. That's the real. Oh, yeah. That's the reality of it. So. Oh yeah. You know and. But like Laura knows if we get something back, like uh, if we just end up getting second rounders, man, that's depressing, and that's gotta that's gotta be a reality check for Marvin. But you know, I just think like I just hope we get something back. Would you be fine if it's like a a well first rounder? Oh, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe probably in around twenty then, huh? Like, you know, there, there's also talk, like, we'll get into this trade later, but, like, we get the Lakers picked somehow. I think they're picked 22. Like, there are some interesting guys you can get down there. Like, if somehow Zaire Williams, like, lasts till 22, you take that guy. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Ooh, that's another guy I would have put up in the list, but, you know, it's just, it's all potential. Problem is at nine, that's, uh, that's reaching, yes. to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Maybe he'll get picked eight or seven for some odd reason. Oh, James Edwards tried to do it on the Athletic NBA show. It was like this. He 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 said if he was a crazy man, he would have taken Zaire Williams at eight, but he didn't because he's not a crazy man. He's not crazy <laughs> enough is his issue. But yes, Marvin is likely yeah being traded as so yeah. We'll see what happens by draft night. It's going to be absolute pandemonium. Uh, can't wait for the uh, looking at Reddit and Twitter, I guess. Well, the other side, the other trade that ha- is gaining traction, uh, according to Shams, is that uh, Buddy for Kuzma. Now, that's not going to be the straight up trade because it does not work uh, straight up because of like salary concerns from uh, the Lakers. It, they basically, the Lakers have to add somebody. And what that could be KCP, or that could be Montrezl Harrell. And also, I don't know if this is reported, but like chances are the the uh, the pick 
the pick is going to be involved. The, the Lakers pick is going to be involved. I don't know if we're worth trading them a pick. That's going to be kind of weird. But like, yeah, that that's going to be the deal. Like, yeah, we either end up with Kuzma and Montrez, which isn't bad. I actually like that deal. Mm-hmm. Or Kuzma and KCP, and that's a great deal, for, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like the Kuz and uh, Montrell uh, seems more likely, I guess. And I, I wouldn't mind having a, a guy like Montrez uh, be that that guy <laughs> to be on the court. Just a high motor, high... High intensity, just physical, yeah, get up in people's faces. Like, you need a dog, and... Yeah. And Montrez is a dog. That now I will. The, the there is a concern like he might just not want to play here and ask to be traded again. But you know we'll worry about that if the trade does happen. And apparently he's actually like ha- he's actually still deciding on whether to opt into his option or not. Mm. And I think he has to opt in, into his option for this to work. So we'll see how that goes. But I wouldn't mind Montrez. Would you? So let's just say, let's although like if Montrez doesn't opt out, it's gonna be tough to uh, re-sign um, Sean. Uh-huh. So like let's just say, would you would you be okay with Montrez starting next year at center in place of Rashawn? Yes. Isn't Montrez Harrell uh, shorter than Rashawn? He's six seven. So about an inch. An inch. That's uh, a good three inches. <laughs> Oh, Rashawn's listed at six ten. So, sorry, I'm just out of my mind right now. But uh, that's pretty small. I mean, who's our four? Is he going to be the four? Our four will probably be Kuzma. Oh, yeah, that's pretty small. Hmm. Well, I mean, the the everything everyone else is pretty big. It's just small for the center position. That's that's kind of why like Montrez is probably capped out at being a six man. Yeah. And again, he's in that weird Rashawn limbo where he's not good enough to be a starter just because of like you know size limitations. Mm-hmm. But he's way too good to be a backup. Ooh, uh, if that's the case, yeah, I wouldn't mind. His contract is a lot smarter than Rashawn's, but if we were to have a choice of keeping Rashawn, I'd rather have Rashawn be the five and Montrez be the sixth man behind him. Yeah, we'll see if they can somehow make that money work. Again, if Marvin is going to be traded away for us as a salary dump, like, yeah, we can re-sign Rashawn that way. But, like, I mean, if, if Montrez comes here, like, you know, he can really rehab his value here in Sacramento. Like, being that sixth man, like, be, possibly being, like, a, a key cog in the machine that brings the Kings back to the playoffs— like that's gonna up your value, and you are gonna be. Lo- I mean, Sacram- Sacramento is gonna love him mm-hmm. because he's a guy that plays with all of the intensity. Oh so, yeah. And Sacramento will love that, and it will do much to rehab his value. And you can see it that way. Like, you know, Rich Paul might have something to say about him being traded to Sacramento, but we'll worry about that when we when we cross that bridge. Oh yeah. So, so going back to the Kuzma thing, I, I think overall Kuzma is an upgrade over Buddy. We, I mean, like we do take Buddy for granted. Like the man is healthy and is one of the best shooters in the league, but we do question his decision making and, of course, his very, very bad ball handling. Like 
I think Buddy will flourish next to Le- next to LeBron and AD if he does get traded there, just because like he doesn't have to make decisions anymore. His job is to catch and shoot, mm-hmm. and catch and shoot. That's all he ever has to do. So like I think he'll flourish there. But back on the Kuzma side, like so Kuzma had apparently so he wasn't on a podcast, but apparently a Lakers. <clears throat> see. Basically, a Laker, an NBA insider said that Kyle Kuzma sees himself on the same level as Jason Tatum. And, uh, you know, of course, next to LeBron, he can he can take that he can take that mentality and shove it up his ass. <laughs> but in Sacramento, you know, when you, we don't have LeBron, there's not really going to be a guy that to tell him to. OK, OK, dude, relax. <laughs> you're not you're not Jason Tatum. You're a good player. You know, if if you're willing to accept your role and just be, you know, a scorer and just, you know, play some solid defense, you'll be good. And I guess my question to you is, like, do you worry about his weird personality concerns? Because he definitely sees himself as someone who is very high, le- a much better player than he actually is, I think. Mm. I feel like if he does come here, he he's just going to have to suck it up because... Uh, we we've dealt with too much drama within the Kings to the point where I'm like, you are in or out. And uh, man, if he's if he's gonna be like that, uh, it's gonna be tough. I'm gonna say that I I don't know what to do at that point. Maybe retrade him, but at that point, what else can you get for him at that <laughs> in that moment? I do think you can get stuff for him. I don't think his trade values is. I mean, Lakers fans are completely done with him, and I yeah. can get to. I can get why he had god awful series against the Suns. But yeah, I, I I do worry about that if he comes here, just because there is no one gonna. There is no one that can really hold him accountable because he can pull. He can pull the bullshit. It's like I'm an NBA champion. I know how to win. Like I mean, who's gonna check him in that case? Like, is it gonna be Montrez? <laughs> like, if he's here. <laughs> Like, I mean, Fox can't really hold him accountable. Like, you know, Fox hasn't done anything. Howley hasn't done anything. Barnes, maybe? But, like, I feel he might run a little wild. And also, we talk about, like, Buddy's decision-making on offense. Kyle Guzman has some of the same concerns. Again, he sees himself as a Jason Tatum type. And he does get into a a mode where he just starts jacking and makes very bad shot selection and makes very bad uh, decisions on the NBA court. So there are those worries. And it, I, it does make me kind of like think about it twice before trading for him. <sighs> yeah, I mean, if we're really going to move Buddy or Marvin, I mean, these are, you know, the better trades in mind for the Kings. So uh, I guess once it does happen, or if it does happen, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. And if he does be like that, mm, yeah. Hopefully uh, by next season, there will be that kind of guy to, you know, put him in his place. Because, I I mean, I want to go back. I want to see our team go to the playoffs. And I don't want any more concerns with this team anymore. So Jason Jones, um, in his one of in his mock draft, I think last week, said that the Kings should take Jalen Johnson, and you know I of course cringed just because I really don't want Jalen Johnson. 
But the reality of, of the situation is that the Kings aren't really in position to worry about attitude issues or character issues. They need talent. And Kyle Kuzma is a talent upgrade. And I think he can, I think, you know, he can help the Kings. And we may just have to suck it. The Kings might just have to suck it up and just say, you know what? We just need more talent. We're willing to deal with this garbage. And hopefully it doesn't come to that, come to that. But the Kings are not in position to be rejecting talent upgrades because of concerns, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, I'm I'm for this Kuzma trade. I, I again, I do think Kuzma is a is a good player. You know, personality issues aside, like I like look. Don't get me wrong, I like the confidence. But it definitely is going to give me Willie Cauley-Stein vibes, where Willie Cauley-Stein was comparing himself to KP. Ironically, they're on the same team now. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. Okay, and the last thing we're going to go over before the storm is, so on uh, ESPN 1320 on Monday, uh, July 26th, uh, Dela or KC specifically. So there's a report out there saying that Brandon Ingram is available in trade talks. There's been multiple teams that have called about him. I don't remember all of them, but Sacramento is in that was listed as had conversations about trading for Brandon Ingram. Now, KC basically made the statement he is willing to trade the farm for Brandon Ingram. He is willing to trade anybody except for De'Aaron Fox. For Brandon Ingram, really? So basically, I think his package was saying like Barnes and Halliburton for uh, for Ingram. Would, wait. Now the question the question is, would you do that trade? Wait, you said Barnes and Halliburton. Barnes and Halliburton. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm no. sorry. I I'm gonna drive. I I would drive to Casey's house, and I would I would pick him up. And drive his ass to the airport. And I'll send your ass <laughs> to New Orleans for for Brandon Ingram. Cause I'm not. I'm. I like Brandon Ingram. He's good. I'm not trading that for. I'm not trading Halliburton and Barnes for him. It, it makes me queasy to trade even one. Uh, I mean Barnes, I'd be okay with, but like Halliburton and Barnes. Yeah. No. That's. That's terrible. That's a ter yeah. That's a terrible. Tr- I'm sorry, Casey. I I love I love your show. That's a horrible idea. It's like so his justification was that the Kings needed all stars, and Brandon Ingram apparently wasn't all star last year. I had no clue. I don't was remember. He? Yeah, I do- actually don't remember. Let me just check real quick. Cover for me for a second. Mhm. So I mean, I would say yeah, Barnes for Ingram. One on one should be fine. I don't know how. Do you worry? No. <laughs> you do no, no, no. That's not gonna work for just because, like, yeah, David Griffin's gonna want more. Yeah, which I was gonna go over. Like, we are gonna have to add something else to that, and you know, adding Halburn. That's, I'd say he's like the second person to be, you know, out of the list for sure. <laughs> but. Uh... I don't think. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. Go, go on. Sorry. I don't think uh, New Orleans would want Buddy back. 
and I, I highly doubt they would. Uh, there's actually some talk. There's actually some talk that they're pretty. They're high on Corey Kispert because they need shooting around uh, Zion. So they actually might be looking at Buddy, mm. legitimately. Ooh, that's uh... man. Their defense. <laughs> I can't imagine their defense. Their defense is trash anyways. I don't get why, but their defense is trash anyways. So yeah. it's not like Buddy's going to make it that much worse. Oh, no, yeah. But, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, maybe, maybe Buddy and... I wouldn't say Buddy and Barnes. I would say Buddy and, like... Buddy and Marvin. <laughs> How about that? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that, uh, they're, they're fine with that. I go all in for it uh no I, the new orleans I, wouldn't new orleans wouldn't do it but yeah. you know, <laughs> sure we would i mean honestly we would trade but Mar- marvin and buddy for just about anything at this point so yeah it's not it, it, i just don't see a middle ground there um yeah and apparently uh, yeah brandon ingram was not an all-star in 2021 he was an all-star in 2020 but the th- the fact is like you know zion is like he does he he couldn't get to the playoffs with Zion on his, on his, you know, roster. And there are other issues on that roster, but the fact is like, Oh, if you're going to trade for an all-star, I don't think he's the all-star you trade for. I think Brandon Ingram is good, but I just feel him at his best is not, you know, is not very, uh, let's, let's just, what's the word? Like him at his, like him at his best is with the ball in his hands, and I just don't think he's good enough to be demanding the ball in his hands. Like w- when we have Fox on the roster and stuff, and you know stuff like that. It's just I just don't think he's that kind of guy. Where I'm just like I we got to trade the farm for him. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't know. We're, we're so so nope. Yeah, we'll have to see. But yeah, you, so I'm guessing you say no to this trade either. <laughs> I think that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a big no. I'd much rather have a Halliburton and Barnes. <laughs> I just again, I just think he's not he's not a I don't want to say he's not a winning player, but again, he's he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands, and he's not good enough to demand the ball in his hands at a high at a high volume, in my opinion. And again, he couldn't make he couldn't make the All Star he couldn't make the playoffs. The New Orleans couldn't make the playoffs with him and Zion. Like, what do you? Like, do you think it's going to be any different with him and Fox? No, no, no disrespect to Fox, but like, you know, it's just like, I don't think it's enough to get you to the playoffs. You need something, you need someone better. Like, unless it's like a Ben Simmons type, I'm not interested if you're going to give up the farm for a guy. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking about Ben Simmons, I haven't heard any much news about that guy in a while in terms of trades for us. So the funny thing is, like, so they, they meant, so basically the report is that, uh, the 76ers, specifically Daryl Morey, want an all-star back for, you know, a transcendent player who's, you know, all, an all-defensive player, an all-star, blah, 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 blah. And the the reports are right now is that ain't nobody offering them an all-star right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's basically, they're kind of stuck with basically, like, no one's offering them an all-star because, you know, the guy did have one of the worst... <laughs> playoff collapses of all time and his value is at his lowest and Mm -hmm. just no one is willing to really cough up you know the offer that the 76ers want and it might be a reality check for Daryl Morey that 
you might as well get some deal done. Mm. Wonder what kind of deal though. Yeah. It's tricky because the the one deal I I always kind of like you know default to is the um is basically the Warriors deal, but like with James Wiseman, the two picks that they have and possibly future picks, but. James Wiseman doesn't make sense on the 76ers because they already have Joel Embiid. So, like, that deal is probably going to be off the table. And, like, Bradley, are you going to trade Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons? Like, that kind of makes sense. Except when you think of the Wizards, like, can you imagine a Ben Simmons and um, Russell Westbrook backcourt, frontcourt, whatever? Like, the point is, like, there's there that is two very, that is two guys you never have to guard on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So, so there's not a lot that makes sense, and I feel especially if this is if the reports are true, like the Kings should find a way to try and sneak into that. Yeah, hopefully for a cheaper price though. But yeah, it's if that's the case, it's gonna have to involve a, a pretty big assets. Like I say, I wouldn't say Howie or Fox for sure, in my opinion, but. Maybe. Again, again, like the framework of like a three-team trade with the Kings, Portland, and uh, in the 76ers, where we send draft picks to Portland, and they set, and Sixers send us Ben Simmons, and uh, Portland sends Damian Lillard to to uh to the Sixers. Yeah, I mean it's the only way, probably, and yeah, we'll we'll have to see about that. Yeah, but as it stands right now, I I say no to Ingram. I am I will listen for Ben Simmons. Hmm. Well, two days. <laughs> like I said, I can't wait for those trades. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have uh, ESPN notifications on. Well, actually, no, I'm not gonna have uh, notifications. On. I'm just gonna check on Twitter. But, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna be a pretty crazy day. We'll probably I don't think we'll do one right after. Maybe do one on Friday. When the dust finally kind of settles, but as it stands, yeah, um, draft is going to be Thursday, and I guess let's pray for some chaos. Mm-hmm. Yes, we shall see.